Welcome to Smut Lovers, the podcast. The one place designed to talk about all things smut. For years, the word has carried negativity, but it's time to take back and own it. In each episode, you will spend time with spicy romance author Nikki Rome as she interviews readers, authors, and kinksters about all things romance. Do you have a book you love, but you've been too afraid to talk about it? Leave all that worry at the door and join us as we dig into what we love and what we hate about smutty books. And we're back. Welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast, where I, Nikki Rome, a smutty romance author, talk to all of our favorite smutty romance authors and readers about all things smut. (laughs) Today, I have Ashley Michelle here with me, who is one of my absolute favorite human beings in the entire world, you will realize very quickly. Uh, She is an author and an avid reader of all the romance things. So thank you for being here with me tonight, Ashley. Yes, of course. I'm so sorry. Uh, there's dog noises everywhere, so I did not. We're, we're good yeah, with that. Just working through it. If anybody's listened to these things before, then they know we have lots of animals around here. Yeah. Let's start by sharing a little bit about your bio and then ask you to fill in the details with the fun stuff. So, uh, Ashley Michelle is your neighborhood queer little witch. She likes snarks, snuff stuffies, and dark and fantastical things. She enjoys writing about mixed Latina plus size babies, such as herself, getting to live out their best lives with queer and kinky loving. She's got a BA from Florida State University that she still hasn't opened. That still makes me laugh every time I read your bio. What she's not doing, <laughs> library things are sending out our long voice notes to someone she loves. She can usually be found in her hammock between the trees of her swamp or laying out, listening to audio while she paints and catches some sun. Um, she is all over the internet. We will add all of her links towards the bottom in the show notes there so you guys can get in touch with her, sign up for her Facebook group, her newsletter. She's got ARC opportunities coming up, all the steamy extra stuff and, and all that fun stuff. I'm so excited you are here. Ashley is one of my absolute dearest author friends, and I would love to say that I am one of the loved few that she does send the hour-long voice notes to um, all day, every day, it seems like lately. I'm sure I drive you absolutely insane. Uh, But I love that about you, and I love having you here today so that others can hear about how fabulous you are. How long has it been that we've known each other? It's been a couple years now at this point, hasn't it? I feel like at least in mutual realm, yeah, probably. Um, but like actually actively, you know, being friends and stuff, probably about a year now. So. That's true. All true yeah. statements. You know, she was, um, and I think we talked about you a little bit in Sarah's episode that aired earlier in the year, the end of 2022. She was one of um, Sarah's alpha readers that we talked about during Four Horsemen and other stuff, which I think is how we ended up becoming mutuals. And I just absolutely fell in love with her, everything that she's done so far. So um, tell us, let's start with the fun stuff. So Tell us a little bit more about your journey of reading and how you fell into the world of all the smutty taboo books. Did you kind of start there? I always like to know where people started when they became obsessed with reading and how they ended up getting to where they are today. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, I didn't actually start with any taboo things. I mean, I'm sure, like, Literatica, you know, is is available and has been. So, like, that's definitely more the realm that I came from. But, like... I started off more with the dark romance and, you know, urban fantasy, paranormal romance, stuff like that. Um, 
I guess I didn't fall into dark romance until very recently, which is fairly recently in regard in terms of like reading history. But um, I'm trying to think of like the first taboo thing that I really read, and I cannot for the life of me put my finger on it. But I think like it was only a kiss kind of stemmed from multiple things. Um, and then right after it, I had read a book that had the excellent vibes that I was looking for that it has. And I was like, oh my God, if I had read this before it was only a kiss, like before writing it, I probably wouldn't have written it. I wouldn't have needed to because it had everything I was wanted. looking for. Yeah. We'll need the name of that one too. <laughs> yeah. So um, right now you've got you've Port City Killers out, which I read as soon as it came out and I absolutely freaking died for that. I loved everything about that book. I'm currently reading It Was Only a Kiss, mm-hmm. uh, which if my children did not interrupt me in the middle of a sex scene, I would have been done reading <laughs> it by now because it's that addicting. And then you've got you've got a Vela out there too. What else do you have going on right now? Um, that's pretty much it. Like, like everything else that I'm doing, um, is all is all um like works in progress and it's taking me um longer than I would like to um to like finish them but I'm such a serotonin reader uh writer (laughs) reader and writer I guess um like a mood writer that I'm just like okay I'm just gonna like let what happens happen and not really worry about it and so that means that I'm like going from document to document and I don't really have a plan and that kind of sucks but it was also kind of really nice just write what makes me happy in the moment and uh, I feel like I do my best work there in that space so so let's take a second and I want to define taboo I want you to define taboo I want to hear what taboo means in your world of definitions because I think the whole taboo subgenre has just recently gotten a name, but it's always been there. There's always been books out there that were technically taboo. And so sometimes I struggle with taboo being taboo because I'm like, I've read this a million times, but Mm -hmm. I think now that we're starting to, you know, the unfortunate human need to put everything into a box, we've created taboo romance now. And so in your eyes, when you're talking taboo, because that's typically what you write, what makes a romance book, dark or otherwise, taboo? So, like, I like to look at it in terms of taboo versus um, forbidden. And, like, forbidden are things, in my, this is my opinion, I've had a lot of talks with, like, people about this, but, like, um, when we look at, like, the word forbidden and what it actually, like, translates out to, right, is that, like, there has been a, like, actual rule that's set down whether that's like a rule like you know we think about brother's best friend and stuff like that like that's forbidden like he, your brother's like doesn't want you to do that like if you asked him he would say no you know like cliche wise um whereas taboo is more that it's something that's just slightly looked down upon so like there's nothing illegal and there's no real rule that says you can't be with your stepbrother or your stepdad but it's just like weird and people like look at it and they're like Mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's like chill, you know. <laughs> because so, it's a little off. Yeah, it's a so little, but not. That's how I like describe it usually. Okay. So, because yeah. I think, and and that's, I think where that's 
a lot of that stems from and the confusion stems from is because there's all these different verbiages that are thrown out, like forbidden, taboo, yeah. this and that. And then it's like, well, okay, but hold on, like where how are we defining what? Right. Because mm-hmm. when I read my first what I thought was a taboo romance, um, was priest. Yeah. Is that the actual name of the book? Mm-hmm. I think it is. By Sierra Simone, right? Sierra Simone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like the first one I read and I was like, oh, this is taboo romance. Mm-hmm. But it's almost yeah. like a little bit more than taboo romance, right? Because there are <laughs> rules against that sort of thing. Yeah. And so it gets, sometimes it gets really tricky with some of the books that are out there nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so really, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of, you know, whatever that edgy feel is that you're looking for, you can probably find it in a number of different of categories. Yeah. Right. But our standards that we typically do see is a lot of familial type stuff, non-incest based and taboo, right? So like stepbrother, stepfather, that sort of thing. Yeah. What are some other large, like, um, tropey things that you'll typically see in a taboo genre? Um, well, I mean, like, I would um, add like blood incest and stuff like that, um, because that's, I, I think people, most people like would consider that like extreme taboo but I think you know like Mm -hmm. everything's a spectrum so definitely anything like that I mean like honestly I can't think in my brain of much I know that there is but I can't think of much more because it's all societally based and so like I would say that maybe some people would consider like certain sci-fis or like monster fucker things taboo but like because if they just think about like depending on how the monster looks like monsters that actually look like monsters you know um humanoids versus bestiality exactly but like so it really that's when it kind of comes down to like where you're at kind of in the world and where you're looking at in the market so yeah but i would definitely say any kind of like family ties that that for Mm -hmm. me that's where the the taboo kind of realm sits Right. And I've read tons of those books before and didn't, wouldn't, I didn't even consider them taboo. Right. Cause I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's cool. Like, yeah. I wish I had a hot stepbrother when I was a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things that I never gave much thought to, but I think the timing of things too has a lot to do with it. Like right now mm-hmm. we're trying to stick all this stuff in this box and label it and so forth. But yeah. I mean, milking the minotaur or whatever tons of popularity and it was like what the hell is this i mean it's monster romance but Uh does it also fit in taboo does it fit you know right so it can i mean i think a lot of things can fit a lot of places and um (laughs) for those of you not watching video uh we just got (laughs) ashley to her ceiling but she's back we're good we're good (laughs) um but, and that's, I think that's one of the tricky parts. And so, you know, a lot of times when we have different authors that come on and they'll be like, oh, well, I write dark romance, but I also mm. write taboo romance, but I also write this, but I also write that. I mean, I think with one author, you can get a lot of things. Yeah. You can get a lot of things from them. Okay. So I want to talk about It Was Only a Kiss because that was a, just a whirlwind, oh, the creation yeah. of that book. <laughs> Um, and like I said, I am in the middle of it right now and it is hot as fuck. So, um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about, cause you said if you had read that other book before writing it, yeah. where did some of that motivation come from? Where did the feels come from that got you into this? Cause I mean, just break it down for me. What happened there? How did we all of a sudden end up in a, with a book in like, I don't know, <laughs> was it even a week? Yeah, no, it was like, uh, four days start to finish. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was going through a manic episode, 100%. Uh, wish that that would happen more often where it was productive like that. But, but here we are, you know. Um, <laughs> but actually, the dedication uh, for that book says that it's like dedicated to like the old white man who like virtually fucked me. And that's like literally what it was. Is it was like, like um, one of my clients had you know, I'd saved like some of the, the transcript from it. And I was like, I'm going to use this one day and I'm going to write something with this. But like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how I feel because it was originally, it was like really different than, you know, what some of the stuff that was in there. Like it was full blood. It was, you know, like different age brackets. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to like, I'm going to adjust it to kind of what I want and to what's like super hot. And I was just like, honestly, girl, I was just down bad because when you're manic like that you're just like I need something and so I was like um well I'll just like do that for myself and I'll just write it and it was, it was a great time had by all um so and continues to be a great time and continues to be honestly all. it like blew up much more than I was expecting like four days I was like you know yeah okay cool and then that was it and it just like took off and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad that we all appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um a fabulous book. We'll make sure that we link to that as well for everybody. I think um I, I don't know. I you know what's funny is everybody that I've like verbally recommended Port City Killers to, I have said the same thing. I'm like, for a new author, this is a phenomenally written book. And I think the same goes for It Was Only a Kiss. And I'm not kissing your ass just because you're one of my besties. I'm telling you the truth. It's very well written because (laughs) typically those close to me get the true, true. And I would tell you if it sucked ass. But no, I mean, it's, they're very well written in, in a few different ways. I mean, it's not your standard like cookie cutter romance shit that we've come so so used to seeing I mean there is some comfort in that and yeah there are things that run in every book that just gives you that comfort feel that you're looking for um but like you can like literally as you read the words like you're there in the room (laughs) and that I think is I mean that's one of the things I think that's really Mm -hmm. sucked people in and we've had this conversation about it was only a kiss before I mean those dark Mm -hmm. shorter romances are just freaking killing it right now and I get it because I'm reading them too like I am loving them Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about like the long form and short form romance thing because I have always struggled um as a writer, like Mm. feeling obligated to write these really long stories or longer stories than I have in me. And Mm. just over the last year, I've kind of given up on that. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to write what's there and you're going to get it. And you're either going to like like it it. or, or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I have found not many problems at all. People seem to have with a 30 or 40,000 word book versus a 75 or a hundred thousand word book. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that older mindset of the Roman writers in the past yeah. have been, you know, in order for this to be a novel, you need a 75,000 plus word book. Um, and don't get me wrong. I read the longer ones. I also read right. the shorter ones, but what are your thoughts on some of those old, the, I say old, 
some of those standards that we're always taught when we get into this industry as an author. You know, oh, you need a longer book. Oh, you need to do it this way. Or, oh, it should be that way. Because you buck the system in many ways, as I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm interested in kind of your thoughts around that part of it, too. Um, It's funny that you asked that because literally the one that I'm working on now, Filthy Little Liars, um, was supposed to be a novella. And I was like, okay, um, my word goal is going to be, you know, like 38,000, which is what uh, it was only a kiss was. Um, And that, or 28,000, sorry. And then it surpassed that, like this morning. And I was like, oh shit. And so the idea that like we have, these like kind of confines and I was like okay well I don't know that I can wrap up what's happening in you know another 10k but like I also don't know that it's going to reach a full 60k to equal out to like a a, a, what's the word I'm looking for a full length standalone you know and I like had a moment of panic about that because I was like like, oh my god like what the fuck am I supposed to do now like I, I'm gonna have to like drag it out but then I was like you know what like why why the fuck do I need to drag it out like if it if it sits in this in-between gray space let's sit in the in-between gray space and I think that that's kind of like, like one of my um biggest things when it comes to kind of any industry standard is that like let it be what it's going to be and if you can find words that like work with because Port City Killers, you know, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, it's a mafia romance, but it's mafia adjacent. It has mafia vibes. It's not really mafia. It's not really cartel. It's not, you know, um, and I think that that's okay. Like, right, um, if I'm going to try to sell it to someone, I would say, you know, mafia, but like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, she's not sucked into the mafia world. The, the people who are in the mafia world are sucked into her world. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it is what it is. And I think when we try to put like labels on it, they can be like helpful or they can be hurtful. Right. And so, you know, let them be helpful to you, but like take what resonates and, you know, leave what doesn't. Because if it's, if it's yeah. not resonating, then there's no need to like hold on to it. Right. Right. I've recently been doing, um, listening to a lot of Becca Symes, the Quit, Quitcast podcast. Mm. it's on YouTube. Um, she does, she writes all those like dear writer, you should quit this. You should do that kind of thing. Um, and I love it because she, she works within strengths finders, which is like the, you know, assessment stuff. And I used to do a lot of that when I was in the financial industry. But what I love about it is everything that you think that you're supposed to do. Her constant thing is question the premise. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you're very much an intuitive writer as I am as well. Right. Like, I've always kind of, when I say bucked the system, when it comes to like how to write, um, I was recently at a conference. I think I messaged. Yeah, I did. I sent it to you where the Mm -hmm. guy was like, well, if you don't fly, the only way to be, okay. (laughs) So I'll tell that real quick. So I went to a local conference. Exactly. That was my exact class. I went to a local conference where a man was standing in front of the room, providing advice to many brand new authors. Like this was like a one-on-one type conference. And I literally died inside as he told this room full of people, you know, oh, I'm a, what did he call it? Recovered pantster. Um, You know, I plot now. (laughs) 
And he was like, and somebody asked some kind of question. And part of his response Mm -hmm. was, well, if you ever want to be successful as an author, then you're going to have to learn to plot. I took everything in my power not to like stand up and be like dude hello hi excuse me i have never in the world created an outline yet i am a full-time author usa like do you want me to start listing off my credentials credentials? for you yeah but i kept my mouth shut because i just did proud of you um thank you and then I sent you a voice note bitching about him. So, but like this whole concept of like all these rules and things that, yeah. you know, they're, they're tied to the old traditional publishing standard mm-hmm. that so many of us don't have anything to do with because yeah. we're indie publishers. And so that level of control, I think is amazing because as an author, you can give your readers what they are actually looking for mm-hmm. when they're looking for it. Yeah. Right. Where in the traditional world, and you know, I love traditional authors too. I'm not an right. indie only part. Like I don't read only indie authors. I read a lot of indie authors because that's what gets put in front of me. But yeah. the traditional sense of things, I mean, sometimes it takes so long. I mean, if you mm. had someone out there who wanted to write taboo romance because it's big right now, it could be three or four years before that book hits the shelves yeah, and yeah. your readers are no longer interested. Yeah. Um And so let me ask you that when it comes to reader feedback or Mm -hmm. feedback from alphas or betas, whoever you have on your team, how do you manage the feedback from everyone and requests from other people with what's driving you to actually write the story that you're looking to write? So um, I think when it like comes to like alpha and beta, kind of like the same thing that like Sarah said, you know, the people that like, I usually pick for those roles kind of know that there's going to be times where I'm just going to like 100% disregard what you just said. Like, sorry, I love you so much. I'm not going to do that. Um, but it's really, it's never like anything against them. It's literally just like, Oh, I heard what I said, or I heard what you said. And I realized how that's not what it is that is actually going on here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, they just kind of have to be okay with that. And if they're okay with that, then great. Um, in terms of like anything else, I, you know, it's funny because I've never really gotten a lot of reader feedback where they're like, oh, this doesn't seem right or this seems mm-hmm. out of character. I have had that like, like a couple of times, maybe I think like on the whole of like all of the like unpublished things as well. Um, and, you know, I'll sit with it and I'll look at it and I'll be like, okay, well, why do you think that? And, you know, if they can explain to me and, like, give me, like, a full-ass logic about it, and I can, like, okay, no, I can see that. Um, Sometimes I'll change things, even if it's, like, a little bit against what I'm feeling. Because sometimes, like, we're just grasping onto this idea of, like, what we want to happen in the story. And I think that sometimes it's helpful to have that kind of like resistance and see what it is. And so I've changed things sometimes just to change them back, you know, or like to be like, no, actually they were right. This sounds more, this sounds more appropriate to like the situation. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I don't, I mean, until I became an author, I never in a million years would have thought to provide an author feedback on something. Yeah, I know, right? Right? Yeah. So I don't think it's that strange when we don't hear stuff from like, 
you know, our mass mm-hmm. public readers kind of thing. Because I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I never in a million years would have thought to even email an author and tell them, hey, thank you so much. I love your books. You know, now that I know more about the indie author community, I mm-hmm. send people messages all the freaking all the time because I know how much people love it. Because I yeah. know how much I love it. You know, you live on this stranded island thing. So for any of our readers that are out there listening, remember to tell your indie authors that you love them because yeah, every once in a while they need to hear. <laughs> they need to hear it. They need to know that, you know, what they're doing is good because we spend a lot of time working in this little bubble of our world. and. Mm. Sure. Who knows really like what's happening or what's going on. So anyway. All right. Uh, let's talk about the kinky bits of your life and how they leak into the author bit of your life, because mm-hmm. I know they do. I mean, obviously they do in my world. We talk about this all the time. We're here. It's smut lovers. We've got yeah. our conference coming <laughs> up, which Ashley has done a ton of work um, for the conference as a whole. And I'm so amazingly thankful. She will be there as a signing author with a table. So make sure you get your damn tickets and show up so that you can meet her in person. Um, but how does some of that and your current lifestyle and everything mm-hmm. that just kind of has kind of come the word is starts with a C culminated. Yep. You got it. <laughs> affect what actually ends up coming mm-hmm. out of your brain onto that piece of paper into your books. Yeah. Um, I think it's so funny. Like, I haven't had like a lot of in-person like pink experience. I've had a very limited scope of in-person. Um, but I, I've done like so much online in terms of like relationships in terms of like moderating groups and, you know, being part of like the community as like the whole, like the big K community. Right. Um, that sometimes I forget that like, I haven't, um, like done certain things and like I think that one of the things that winds up in the books a lot is stuff that I either crave the most or have later found in like you know IRL relationships or even some online ones I can't even I can't even narrow it down to specifically IRL ones but like there's like an intimacy there always that I feel like is lacking in like kinky books, I love I love the sex for the sex, right? Like we love smut, like obviously, but there's an intimacy often that I think gets overlooked. Um, and I don't know if it's because it's by people who, who aren't in the kink community or who like maybe they just you know aren't thinking about it or whatever. But there's like these small like tender kind of moments um, that I like I like to make sure that I'm infused in my stuff because I think that that's just mm-hmm. important and those are the, the moments that I crave to see the most and so like when I'm writing especially when I'm writing like kinky things it's based off of like my own desire of what I want to see in mm-hmm. kinky things and so as a reader like if you shift that mindset as a reader when you're, because, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's erotica and erotic romance and just like yeah. our general romance stuff. And I think even as an author myself, I really struggled, like, where do I fit? I yeah. knew I didn't fit in erotica. Um, I mean, now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm clearly writing erotic <laughs> romance. At this yeah. point. Like, it's hard to say I'm not with the amount of fucking that happens in my books. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Like, mm-hmm. it's taken me a long time to kind of be like, okay, I feel like this is where I fit. Like, I'm here. Yeah. Um, 
And as you know, and actually by the time this comes out, my erotica shorts will be out, but Mm -hmm. I recently worked on a new project and I was, you know, I'm writing these short kind of, you know, 1500, 2000 words, sex scenes, right? Just a little steamy one shot. You're doing one shot lemons. I don't even know what that is. One shot lemons. So out of the freaking loop with this, but it has been fun. And I will say one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing is, you know, including some of those intimate moments that I would have Mm -hmm. had in my long form books. Right. Yeah. Like the thought process that's going on in her head while she's getting railed in a fucking dressing room. You know what I mean? Like little things like that that I think sometimes I found were missing yeah. when I would read just like straight erotica. So when you're reading as a reader and you're reading consistently reading either one author or multiple authors, and you're just constantly feeling like you're missing that bit, you're missing those mm-hmm. bits and pieces that you're looking for. Do you have someone, another author that's like your go-to where, you know, if you grab one of their books, it's going to give you all the feels you're looking for and all those little things like kind of mm-hmm. your, I guess maybe your ride or die author. Like who's the one that gives you what you need when you just can't find it anywhere else because I find it missing sometimes quite yeah. often in a lot of books that I'm looking at, right? Because I need a little more than just spanking on the ass. So that means I'm yeah. gonna need a little more when it's all over with, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess like one of the, the first obvious answers is like Sarah, right? Because it's like we've worked really heavily together on at least mm-hmm. one of her series and then like a couple of the other books in you know her the series that came after that. Um and she does do that and like you know I kind of think of certain books as like love letters to me like parts of them at least have like little love letters in them for me and so you know there's that they definitely have become comfort reads and stuff for me mm-hmm. um but also like Silas Sloan um she had a novel a debut novel which she took down and then and like we had become friends that's how we met we were gonna like beta read each other's like debuts um and then we did and then hers she just never marketed for it and it was beautiful and fabulous and wonderful but it didn't you know have any traction and then um she wrote a dark shifter romance werewolf romance and it's so fucking good bro like when we talk about like the intimacy and stuff like that when you talk about those kind of like, like small moments um that definitely has it and like some of her other writing that's unpublished like i that's where i really kind of fell in love with her writing but for sure she has um it's called ben earth swallowed ocean uh Tesso for short and so that is also one of my comfort reads where like i can i know i can go there and i'm gonna get the violence i'm gonna get the blood i'm gonna get the sex i'm gonna get this like irredeemable like villainous man but like it's gonna be okay because he's gonna like give me a kiss and tell me how fucking good make it i am you know it makes it all better we do like that i wrote that down we will we will link to that series in the show notes too because i have not read it i um i probably will need to now i (laughs) so this actually brings up a good point because 
there seems to be a lot of things that are more forgivable in the shifter slash paranormal or fantasy world of writing, right? Mm -hmm. So like, let's jump into that real quick because a lot of times we'll put these like demon, terrible, awful freaking alphas in the contemporary world without magic. And suddenly we're ridiculed for it, Mm -hmm. even though he will still kiss us and make it all better. Yeah. But it's often very forgiven in the world of paranormal romance and fantasy and so on and so forth. And I'm one of those ones who kind of started in that world. Mm -hmm, Um, I mean, I was an old diehard Anne Rice, Laurel K. Hamilton kind of reader for years, right? Like, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about like all the things. All the shit was happening, right? And it was totally acceptable. And even still to this day, many of those things are completely acceptable for those authors in those genres. But we take that same behavior characteristics and we drop it into the contemporary world. And it's always all of a sudden like, holy problem. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the whys and how do you feel about it? Okay. Let's Um, just rip it all off. How do I feel about it? I think that it's dumb as shit. Uh, <laughs> number one. Um, why do I think it's happening? I think, think it's happening because when we're putting things in a contemporary setting, we are now creating a world that is parallel or adjacent to our own in a way that we aren't before. Like when we're writing mm-hmm. paranormal stuff, like we know that there is a magical element. We know that there is an animal element um, or something that is just not real about it. And so, like it makes things easier to digest. It's kind of like, you can be like, oh, well, you know, it's like othering of, you know, characters and and worlds all together, honestly, in different cultures. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it's dropped into a contemporary setting, then people kind of like start questioning their pearls and they're like, oh my God, because like, well, what if someone gets this and thinks that this is okay? And I don't think that like, I don't mean to be blase about it, but like, I think that there is a a logic that kind of follows that line that um, at the end of the day can be like more detrimental than the stuff that's in the actual book in the first place. So yeah, I mean yeah yeah. I would um, have to agree with you there. I personally have always struggled with the fact that so much is more acceptable in these other genres than ours. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we talked about this a little bit with Lilith Carey in our very first episode when we were talking about shifters. Maybe it was her. I can't remember. But like that primal instincts, like the running yeah. through the forest, right? And, you know, the fighting and the tackling and the biting and the, all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. we then we call it primal play. Right. And we put two humans doing it and suddenly it's like, wait, he's going to do what? And they're going to do what? Yeah. And so I think unless, you know, and, and unfortunately there's a ton of scenes out there that are just not written very well. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> if yeah. you pick one up or you read one, I mean, it can be shocking and tons of people are clutching pearls out there over it. <laughs> but the reality is, is if we set these scenes up correctly in our books, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves is if we set these scenes up correctly in our books and people and our book is the one that someone picks up first, yeah. then it, you're going to have a lot more open of a mind um, yeah. than others. You know, as I started reading the darker romance and the taboo and all these other things that were out there, there. I kept like seeing the parallels to stories that I had read in the world of paranormal years ago yeah. or in 
the world of fantasy years ago. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, so to me, it wasn't a big deal because that's where I had started writing, reading. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of readers who are moving into the dark and taboo and forbidden romance world from just general contemporary romance. And so it can be a lot more shocking to them when they start opening up a book and they're like, wait a minute, what do you mean? You know, going on. Right, right. Where they're thinking they're getting, you know, a virgin romance or a mail order bride that, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's like certain no. rules to that, you know, like there's like um, certain kind of like confines of the genre that they're like expecting and then they're going into something else and expecting that those same confines are going to be like there to protect them and they're not. They're really just mm-hmm. not even in the same like category anymore. Yeah. So let's do some recommendations from you, from someone who, let's say, is reading the spicier, heavier type of contemporary romance, looking to get into some of the darker stuff, but maybe wants to start gray. Like, what's a good gray romance kind of book, author, series, something like I'm totally going to put you on the spot and make you, like, recall the things? Because I don't don't necessarily... I don't even, I mean, I think it's kind of tough sometimes to find the ones that write the in-between. But I don't necessarily know, you know, that I would start with some of the people that I read now. It's hard to recommend books sometimes. You know, who actually I do have maybe a good kind of grayish dark romance human. Um, Natasha Knight. Um, Natasha Knight does uh one in particular one it's a duet and it's called uh, the ties that bind duet it's one of my most like recommended um especially if you're like on audible i don't know if they have it on scribd um but yeah aza really and natasha knight um the, the first one's mine and the second one is i think his and that is one of my absolute favorites um, because it has some like dub dub vibes, dub non vibes, you know. Um, it has very like primally stuff. It has you know, um, it pushes boundaries. Like instead of spanking her, like just with his bare hand, he like takes his belt off, bro. He's like get it together bitch right and, <laughs> and like we love that he has such daddy vibes but like you know like uh, i don't know it like like it flirts on a lot of things it flirts and with the line and so i would say that that that's maybe a really good one if someone wanted mm-hmm. to like start in the world of dark romance i would start with natasha knight and that's kind of where i would go and if you don't like that duet i don't know necessarily that the rest of dark romance would be for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. That's totally <laughs> fine. You yeah. Just, you know, Pick your poison. <laughs> There's plenty out there. That's yeah. for sure. Um, so awesome. I'll have to, I've read, I think I've read some of her stuff. I don't know if I've read that duet. Probably not because duets typically piss me off. And I'm like, <laughs> I get to the end of the first book and I'm like, what the fuck? I got to read a whole other book. Even knowing that it was a duet going in, it still makes mm-hmm. me mad. Um, Maybe I'll listen to it on Audible and I won't be so pissy over it. Please do. It's like one credit will do the um, the whole duet. So just like oh. if you do, you know, yeah, then I'll sure do that. You. We'll do that. Yeah. Okay, 
So let's one that I've got probably only time for one more question, but it's a biggie. So a lot of what we talk about here in the world of smut lovers, right, is like claiming that world smut and making it our own again, right? And like owning yeah. up to like what we read and what we love and what we write and everything about it. Um, and we've talked about this with almost every single author that has come on the show. And so I mm. want to get your kind of your journey to all this. Like, has it always been a thing for you where you've always been comfortable reading whatever romance you wanted to and shouting it from the rooftops? Is it something that you kind of had to learn to own later on? Tell me the things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, um, I was like the archetype of the virginal whore, you know, like I've always been that kind of person. Um, like I was a virgin very late till very late in life. And then, um, once I did lose my virginity, it was like full assault. No one's safe anymore. Like y'all better, you know, clutch those pearls. Cause I'm going to rock them. But, um, <laughs> like I, I was always very interested in sexuality and like sex and our bodies and the way that we respond to things. Um, so like, you know, even like in high school when kids were like learning these things, like physically, and I wasn't, I was still like, I was the one that they would come to for like weird, you know, biology questions. Like, is this like actually like, and, and like even psychology, like I've always been the therapist friend. So it's like when someone found they wanted something or liked something, they're like, is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, bitch, like chill, like do what you want to do, you know? Um, but I think that like also in terms, so I think that that helps. I say all that to say that I, I think that that has always helped because I've always kind of been like, you know, like you said, bucking against the system. Like I've always kind of had just like my own way of doing things. And then, you know, my, like I was like one of those read a book a day kids, you know? And so like mm-hmm. when it came time for like my own kind of like awakening and stuff, like, you know, I, my parents always treated me like a little adult, you know, um, aside from like trauma of like controlling this and whatever, whatever, um, in terms of like subject matter, my mom, especially like always treated me just like I was a small human and like fully formed, you know, so we didn't really have a lot of, we had a lot of talks about things that made me feel like I didn't have to kind of like shun certain parts of me um to the outside world at the very least you know the outside world was very accommodating to me and if they weren't oh well it was harder when it was family but like in the outside world I've always kind of been like pretty like loud and proud about it you know and um I just I think that I've battled with it mostly when it does come to like family and stuff like that but but even with them like certain family you know I'm just like yeah those what's I mean like I didn't like really hide my books or like anything like that like um for the reason of it being smut you know uh Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't remember what else the fucking question was I'm so sorry like I got distracted. I don't even either at this point. I was so enthralled <laughs> with your answer. Um, I think you answered it. I mean, basically, yeah. I, I think that's amazing. Mm. I think, you know, anytime that you're brought up with someone, anyone, I mean, you know, and for you, it was your mom, someone who encouraged you to just like 
know things and be a person who is comfortable with the things that they know and the things about themselves. I think that's huge. Um, and it's funny because of all the people that I've talked to, some have had like a sister or an aunt or a parent or somebody who like read smut and like found their way into Mm. it that way. Um, I did not. <laughs> I didn't just, either, which is so I, funny. So sometimes I like hearing the stories of how other people got into it. Like I remember my mom borrowing an erotica, a book of my erotica shorts oh when God, I was I like, know. oh yeah. She was like, what is that one? Because there was like oh a half naked chick on the front and it was like mm. a whole thick ass book full of erotic shorts which I talk about this book all the time. And like, I have Googled every possible scenario of words to try and find it again. You find it again and you can't. Oh, I hate that. Hate that. (laughs) And I like, I remember what the cover looked like. I specifically remember like a sapphic story with a rocking horse. Like, I mean, I'm literally have like even Googled the shorts to see if I could find an author name, something like it's bad. I'm desperate to find it again. Maybe someday before I die, I will, but she borrowed it from me at one point. And Mm -hmm. I remember her asking, she's like, maybe I'll read this one. She read a little bit of it. I found her hiding it under the kitchen sink at one point. And I'm like, and maybe that's why it never like reappeared because she probably hid it somewhere and forgot about it. Um, but my mom was not a big reader, you know, and Mm -hmm. she, and as I've gotten older and finally I'm like, listen, this is what I write. I have found family members of mine, very close family members of mine who've read romance their entire lives and have never said it. And so yeah. I always find the stories interesting of people um, who come about it in a different way, kind of like me. Um, but so I love that. Too, because like my um, bus driver was uh, one of those people and like, not just, it wasn't my, my grandmother or anything, but my friend. I had a friend in high school named Kayla. Her grandmother had a bunch of bodice rippers. And so like when I would go to her house before, you know, before we would walk to the bus stop together, um, her grandma, I saw like one thing, it was a Heather Graham book. And I was like, like, oh my God, Heather Graham. And I was like, can I borrow that book? And it was like, I don't fucking, let me ask my Grammy. And her Grammy was like, you like Heather Graham? Let's talk about it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. You know, like, yeah, like, none of my family uh were big readers either you know they're so it's just like I didn't have that kind of and I like wish I did but like I am really grateful actually for like the small influences that I had you know one of my librarians too also was like that she like we had both read Karen Marie Monning and uh Laura K. Hamilton and and so like I was able to kind of like have those influences without them being like really closely related and it's not like we had a lot of conversations about them but um yeah. it was nice to like know that I wasn't like alone in that world yeah no yeah. I agree I think it's always good to find others like us mm-hmm. hence the community of all things smut yeah that's it my love we hit 45 minutes Woo! isn't that crazy yeah I know I knew we wouldn't have a problem filling the time, though. Uh, Yeah, we're talkers. (laughs) We're talkers. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of Smut Lovers, the podcast. Uh, To all of you patrons out there, make sure that you click the link and go check out the 15 minutes of extra spicy because we are about to turn up the heat. Oh, my God. That was so corny. But we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to record those 15 minutes of extra fun. So for those of you who want to support us on Patreon and not are not already, check out the link in the show notes. It will take you there. And I'll give you all the juicy bits on Ashley. But thank you again, Ash, for being here and doing the thing. Thank you for having me. 
You are so very, very welcome. You guys will see her at Smut Lovers, the conference. So make sure you pick up your tickets. You can get Port City Killers and It's Only a Kiss and whatever else is out by then. Because I'm sure there's going to be plenty more. Um, And that's it, folks. We're out of here. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. For more content, be sure to join our Patreon for an extra kinky 15 minutes with today's guest. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at smutlovers.org. Until next time, happy reading!